Number two, they just told me I have cancer. Number three, I'm living with my daughter-in-law who hates me. And number four, they've taken all my money. And she said, she started crying. She said, I just don't know what to do. I thought about that, and I spent quite a bit of time trying to take the word of God and and try to encourage her and and talk to her about uh, the fact that God's not finished, sister. Now, I tell you that because it's going to introduce what I want to talk to you about this morning. Many times, as a as a preacher, uh, and of course just traveling all the time, what I preach on a lot of times as I seek the Lord is something that's affected my life that week, and I know it's going to affect other people. So I told you that little story to tell you that just a few days ago, God put me in this direction for this morning. And I want to talk to you on this subject, that God's not finished with the hope that's in your heart. Everybody in this room is going to face some difficult times in their lives. Sometimes when it seems like that everything in your life is just gone and you don't know what to do, you love the Lord. You got saved some time back. It's not that you don't love the Lord. It's just like the devil's just stomped it all out of you. And you don't know where to go and what to do. And, and you're just in that time period. And I felt like the Lord said to just go that way this morning and and so I want you to follow with me on that theme. And what we're going to do is take a little walk this morning through the life of a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene. Now, Mary is a very unique lady in the Bible. If you would be turning back to Mark chapter 16. Now, hold your place in, in John, but we will be back. And you know the situation in John now is what's happened on resurrection morning there. But I want you to realize that one of the ladies that always shows up in this situation is a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene. Now, she's a unique lady. She's not the mother of Mary. She's not Mary, the wife of Cleophas. She's a very unique lady. She's from Magdala. And so her name, they call her Mary Magdalene. And when Mary got saved, she was a devout follower of the Lord Jesus. But when you study the life of Mary Magdalene and just trace through her life, you see an important lesson on on hope in her life. Here's a lady that can take you on the full spectrum of hope. And I want us to look at that this morning as we just look at her life. And so to start with that, we need to go back to Mark chapter 16 and look in verse 9 with me. I'm doing my best to quote this here. But listen to what it says. Now, when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Now, I want you to think with me for a little bit to begin with on the condition that had Mary hopeless in her life. Now, I don't know a whole lot about people with devils. But I don't want to be around somebody who's got seven devils in their life. I, I, I've met a few overseas in Asia that I thought had a few devils. And if they had one or two, that's all I want to be around. 
There's a lot of ideas about what Mary's problem was in her life. Some think she was a lady of ill repute. There's a whole lot. The Bible doesn't tell us that. Maybe some history tells us a little bit about it. I wouldn't argue with that over it. I don't think she probably had a great reputation. But I know one thing, that Mary Magdalene didn't have any hope in her life. You can't have seven devils in your life and have any hope in your life. It's just not going to happen. You meet people that have problems, but you don't really have problems until you've got seven devils in your life. And here's a lady, therefore, that is living her life without hope. Now, I haven't met anybody with seven devils, but I can tell you I've met a lot of people that don't have any hope. And one thing about Mary, and the reason she had seven devils is because Christ wasn't her Savior. And she did not know Christ. She did not know. So when you read this verse, you got to realize it's almost a two-part verse. Because there was a time when Mary was about to meet Jesus, when she had these devils, that this lady had no hope. Do you know how many people wake up in the world with no hope? Most of us wake up in the morning with hope in our heart, don't we? We know where we're going. Isn't that a glorious thing? Praise the Lord, Lord, I'm going to be all right. Somebody told me the other day, I was flying somewhere, and they said, where the plane goes down, I said, I'm just going up. <laughs> it's just going to bounce. It's just going to go right back up anyway. So it doesn't, they said, doesn't it scare you? And I said, it doesn't scare me at all. I don't know how I'm going to die. I might be an airplane crash. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But you know what? I got hope in my heart. Amen. But so many people wake up, they don't have any hope in their heart. I hope that's not you this morning. So many people live like that, but the reason is they don't know Jesus Christ. And until they understand that they have no hope apart for Jesus Christ. In Romans 15, in verse 13, I love it. It says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Isn't it wonderful to know that? And to know I have hope in my life, not just for heaven, but hope in this life. To be able to look out at all the aspects of life that we're asking God for and say, God, you've given me hope. That problem I'm going to face, you're going to take care of it. It's going to be all right, Lord. I'm going to trust you. But a person without Jesus Christ, can you imagine? No wonder they have to drink. No wonder they have to take drugs no wonder they have to sit in psychiatrist's offices all the time. No wonder they're going through that because they live without hope. But now I want you to see the change, and it's in the same verse that brought Mary hope. Listen to these words. Out of whom he cast. I'd like to have been there, okay? I'd, I, I'm, just, I'm just counting. You know, when you can't see... And you, and you have to listen to, I have ele- excuse me, electronic Bible. And uh, w- when I read the Word of God, I have to picture it in my mind because I can't l- just read words like you guys can. So I try to picture. I'd like to have been there when Jesus Christ met Mary and cast them devils out, wouldn't you? I'd like to have seen that taking place. You know, it wouldn't been like these crazy TV preachers. You get out of there. No, son, when he said get out of there, they stumbled themselves getting out of there. I guarantee you. 
they made an exit immediately out of there. And you know what happened? <laughs> Christ's love and life entered into her. And all of a sudden, Mary's changed. And for the first time in Mary's life, she's got hope way down in her heart. You remember that day you got saved? Preacher and I were talking yesterday after we got our luggage about an hour later. We headed out to get a little bite to eat, and we were just talking about the Lord and our conversions. And he was talking about, I believe he was the word, how free and how much peace when he received Christ as his Savior. And I remember I was about his age. I was 26. I think he was 27. And I remember when Christ came into my life. And all of a sudden, everything in my life was just different. I couldn't put my finger on it, but everything was just different. And there was peace and there was hope. And I, I knew that, that now I could put a family together. And maybe we could go. And I, I think of Mary like that. I think, here's a lady that's just burdened, folks. Walking through life with no hope every day, just trying to get through the day, the best the world's telling her to do. And she meets Jesus Christ. And when she meets him, her whole life has changed. And everything is beautiful and it starts to come alive. And I can see her dream her dreams a little bit. And I don't know what her past was, but it probably wasn't good. And now she could think, wow, now I can just... I won't have to just find some man out here. I can find me a, a, a good Baptist man. And I can bring him up in a good independent Baptist church and put Nike sandals on him and bring the little boy into Sunday school. Oh, it's going to be great. Not a far-fetched dream, is it? All of a sudden, she knew Jesus and all the hope is in her heart. And she's thinking, man, thank you, Lord Jesus. Go away just a minute. Go back to John chapter 19 and hold your place there, if you will. Because I want you to see a collapse that came to Mary's hope. Folks, most of us, if we've been saved any time, there's a time the hope collapsed. I don't think I'm talking to strangers here. Somewhere along in your life, you may have thought, man, everything was so wonderful. And all of a sudden, it looks so good. Look in John 19, look verse number 25. Now, there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and here she is, and Mary Magdalene. I want you to try to imagine that day. Try to picture now, walk back in your mind. Here's a lady that had a hard life. Now she found Jesus. A smile came to her face, a twinkle to her eye. Praise God. I feel so different. I got hope. And then somebody said, uh, some stuff going on in Pilate's judgment hall what's going on um they got jesus there jesus the guy that gave me hope yeah mary might as well come with us the other disciples are going out Pilate makes his judgment and now they're going to put 
one of the beams of the cross on Jesus' back. And Mary's thinking, this can't be happening. They take him out the what we now call the Via Della Rosa, but out the little winding path, out the Massis Gate, and up to a place called Golgotha. And lay those timbers down and nail his arms and legs to the feet to the cross. Slam it into the hole. And there she's looking at the only man that ever gave her hope. And they're going to kill him. Can you imagine? You've got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding. I just met him. And when I met him, everything in my life changed. What are they doing to him? And the only one that ever gave her hope in her life is going to be killed. Romans don't say, oh, we made a mistake taking death. No, you put him on a cross, you're going to die. She understood that. They're going to kill this man. Now, we understand. We're looking back in time, but she doesn't understand all this. This is just crazy. And all of a sudden, can you imagine all the hope that she ever had is gone? And if you don't think that's true, go back to Matthew 27, verse 61, and you'll hear these words. And there was Mary and the Mary Magdalene and the other Mary setting over against the sepulcher. She's not waving a white hanky saying, praise God anymore. She's got the hope kicked out of her. You ever wake up in the morning with a, a wash tub full of hope and by... Seven o'clock that night, the devil kicked so much out of it, you couldn't find one drop with a Hubble telescope. <laughs> Your life, anybody like that? By the end of the day, you're saying, what in the world just happened? And you got a bad phone call. Or you got this and you, you'd been praying and you had hope that this is going to turn out all right. And I believe in everything. Everything is upside down. That's Mary. And I can just tell you, folks, from experience and from the word of God, the devil loves kicking the hope out of God's people. The devil loves running around saying, I'm going to kick the fire out of you. You think you're, on, you're, you're heading in the right direction? Just hang on, dude, because I'm not through with you yet. You know, devil never quits doing it, does he? You know, Baptists will quit, right? Babsles will quit at the drop of a hat. And I know a lot of Babsles will buy the hat and drop it. But I can tell you one thing, the devil doesn't quit. Once he decides he's going to knock the hope out of his, he keeps on. And that's Mary. So now notice, here's been a lady that was saved. She's excited. And now she's looking up the only one that ever gave her hope. And kill him. And guess what? They did. They took him out and put him in that garden tomb. Now, at the end of that day, that's what Matthew 27, 27, 61 said. That she's sitting there with another Mary. And the wind's out of her. You ever been there? Ever been there in your life to where you just went home and thought, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know where to go. That's Mary. 
Okay, we've been on a little journey. Let's go back to our text in John 20. You know the story. Let's just try to illustrate it in our minds. Mary couldn't sit by that tomb all night. They've sealed it off. The Romans have sealed it off. And so what else are you going to do? So you go home. It's not quite the journey home that it was before, but she makes it home. Now, according to the word of God, it's early the first day of the week. And I'm assuming because the other accounts tell us of other ladies that went to the tomb, as well as a few of the disciples. So let's just try to put it in our mind and try to picture, if we can, Mary. And here she is. It's early the first day of the week, and, and she's got up early, and she's not quite sure what to do. And a knock comes on the door, and it's some of her friends. They say, Mary, we're... we're we're going to head out to the sepulcher. You'd like to walk with us? Well, it's real early, I know, but, you know, we thought we'd just go out there and see if we could uh, just be there and look at it. And nothing morbid about that, right? We go, to, we go out to the graves and we try to make them look nice, put a few flowers. And I don't know what they're thinking, but we're going to just go out. Can you see them as they walk out and uh, maybe first light? And it's just... They're going, as they get up closer to that tomb, it doesn't look the same. And they just keep walking and looking, and they know it's not the same. And finally they realize, boy, it is something different. And they begin to run up there, and when they get up there, it isn't different. It is different. There's no, the, the, the stone's been rolled away that had locked it up and sealed and they look inside, and Jesus is gone. I want you to notice that when they looked inside, what they saw. Jesus is gone. Now, we'll look at this in a moment. But if you look down in John 19, verse 40, it said they buried him after the manner of the Jews. That's important. But what has happened, Jesus has risen from that grave. Now, what she would have looked in on is grave clothes that the air just went out of them. Now, if I'd been in them grave clothes, it'd be a mess in that tomb. Because, man, I'd been, I'd, been, I'd been tearing everything I can clawing to get out of there. I mean, there'd been strips of this thing hanging everywhere. But not Jesus. When Jesus, in his own power, decides to come out of them grave clothes, the air just goes, and it's just laying there. Can you imagine? So she looks over there, and she goes, whoa. <laughs> he isn't there, but those grave clothes just laying there. And then she looks over, and there's a napkin. Did you ever see that? All wrapped together. And laying in place. Interesting, isn't it? I've always been fascinated with things like that. Why'd God put that in there? I've always been interested in when he wrote to Pergamus in Revelation chapter 2. He, he said he'd give us a white stone. What is that? He tells us later in one of the other uh, churches that he'd give us the hidden manna. What's that? 
We look at things as small, maybe insignificant. Nothing in the Bible is insignificant. Everything God ever wrote is important for a reason. And God tells us that in that tomb, there was a folded napkin laying there. What's that all about? Well, you know, I've always loved to study, and I still even love to study the Word of God. One of the things I was told many, many years ago when I first went to Bible college back in the early uh, 70s was you're never going to understand things until you understand the manners and the customs of Bible times. And so I've always been interested in reading a lot about the, the history, the culture, especially of what we call the Holy Lands. I had the opportunity in 87 to travel through the Holy Lands. And and those are important things to understand. I've been doing missions work now for 22 years. And, and you don't understand a country till you understand their culture and what they're doing and how they approach things differently. And so it becomes important when we look at things to understand a little bit about what has happened. One of the books I've enjoyed is a, an old book. I don't know if you can even get it. It's now called... Uh, Worthy as a Lamb by an old, older man, I think it was written in 1950, named uh, Ray Summers. But it, it describes a lot of things about the culture. And one of the things that happened back in biblical days, people back in those days would get together for feasts. Sometimes it would be religious, sometimes just for families. And their, their times would not be like ours where we'll get together for about four hours and then everybody goes home. They would sometimes be there for days. I know there's evidence that maybe at the Cana Galilee where Christ made the water, turned the water into wine that, that that wasn't just a one-day thing. A wedding in that part of the world would have festivities that would last two and three days. And so it's a little different than our culture. But that would mean that if there's going to be banqueting or people eating, that they would come and go. Obviously, everybody's going to stay there forever. But like anybody, they would gather with their friends and they would, would enjoy their meeting together. One of the things they did in those days was use a napkin. And what would happen was, let's say that a, I'll just use an, an individual, a man was uh, at the whatever, let's say a marriage ceremony, whatever it was, and it was going on, and, uh, and he was a man of business, so he'd have to kind of be in and out. But So he's there and gathered around his friends, enjoying, and servants are coming, giving food and whatever, you know. And uh, So if he was ready to get up and leave, then he would have a napkin, and it would be there by his plate. And if he would eat that, I'd get ready to go after he had eaten, and he was going to have to go take care of business, and it didn't look like he was going to get back. So he would take that napkin, I assume, he'd wipe his face, his hand water, and then he'd just kind of water it up and lay it at the top of the plate. So the servant, male or female, who it would be with the food would come back, she'd see that at the top of that plate and say, okay, obviously this guy's finished, so we can clear everything out because he's not coming back. But now, if he thought, I'll just be, i got to take care of some business here. It won't take long, but I'm going to have to do this. But, but I'm going to come back and fellowship with you guys. 
Then he'd take a napkin and he'd fold it very neatly, lay it up the top of the plate so the servant would come by and they'd look down and go, uh, he's not finished. He'll be back. You're getting ahead of me. (laughs) Okay. So now I want you to imagine it's resurrection morning. Now, according to John 19.40, they buried him after the banner of the Jews. That's important because in that part of the world, the Egyptians, a lot of people buried by wrapping the body with spices, a sort of preservative. They would take the body and then they would start the feet and they would put spices and wrappings and spices and wrappings and all the way up, the arms down, all the way up. But the Jews put a napkin over the top and the face of the person that was dying. And uh, sometimes a little more than just the face that come down. And, um, and then they wrap that body up. So now I want you to imagine that it's early, early, early in the morning on Resurrection Sunday. And Jesus comes alive out of that tomb. And he slips out of those grave clothes. And he's standing with a napkin on his face. Now, he didn't do what I'd do and take that thing and say, I'm out of here, man. Not Jesus. Jesus is standing there. Can you see him? He takes the napkin, and I can just see him standing there saying... I think I'll take this and, and fold it up here, and uh, I think I'll just lay it over here. Because right you see, a few of the disciples, Mary, Magdalene, now they'll be by in a few minutes. I just want them to know I ain't finished with the hope that's in their heart. when I get a little bit discouraged and I do sometimes I just like to walk by and see if the napkin's still there and when I see that in verse 7 I go he's not finished with me yet he's got something he wants to do and when the devil says I'm going to knock it out of you Charlie I look and see that old napkin and I say Thank you, Jesus. When you see that old napkin, you know two or three things. You know one thing is his suffering's over, and he's not going to suffer again. But it also tells me the second coming's true. He is coming again, folks. I believe it's not going to be long. We're going to hear the shout. We're going to be out of here. But every time you see that little napkin, and they realize that he's coming back. Get a little bit discouraged, just look in the tomb every once in a while, and you read, come to John chapter 20 and say, it's still there. It's still wrapped together and laid in a place because he knew I'd be by. And the next time the devil gets to kicking the hope out of you that this isn't going to work and your prayer is not going to get answered and the things you sensed God was telling you he was going to take care of, Just look back in that old tomb and say, God's not finished. God's not finished. That's what I told this lady. I won't tell you her name because I don't want it to go out. 
I'm going to talk more about it, about her a little bit, maybe tomorrow night or the next day. But I can understand where she's at. I, I can't even imagine. But I knew her past. And that's what brought me back to Mary Magdalene, because I remember when she got saved. And she might not have had seven devils, but if you're going to take your life, <laughs> something bad going on inside. And all of a sudden, she had hope. She could raise that boy, and she did. And she, she, I can remember going to her house and, and visiting, and she would sit and read to those, that little boy all of the, the verses. And she would call him by name, and she said, now, Have you memorized your verses? Tell Pastor the verses, will you? And I'd say, Good for you. And now he's in prison. And now your your husband's died, and you I forgot to tell you that. He's gone. He died. She's left a widow, and she's got no money. And now they tell her she's got cancer. And her daughter-in-law is saying, I don't even want you in this house. And the hope's gone. And I tried to tell her, I said, Sister, God's not finished. God's not finished. You need to understand, God's not finished. God will never forsake you. God's not finished with the hope that's down in your heart. And I just want to say to you this morning, I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you have faced. I don't know what you're going to face. But I want you to know that you and I are on a place it's good, amen. God's going to take care of us. And so if you're here today and it seems like the hope has been kicked out of you, can I tell you, find a little place and say, I saw the napkin, Lord. You're trying to tell me something this morning. I believe God wants to meet with us in that kind of a way. And if you're here in this service and you just come in and maybe you've heard of the gospel before, but you really never got that thing settled. I'm going to tell you today is a good day to do that. Make sure you know that when you walk out of this building that Christ Jesus is your Savior. Life isn't long. It can be over like that. You need to make sure you don't die unless Christ is living in your heart. And so I pray today that you might think about that. and God might speak to you and you'd come to him. So let's pray this morning for just a moment. Father, thank you for a time to just sit and listen to how much you love us again. And I know, Lord, in these last days, we're living in dark times. And I know I meet along the trail people who just seems like the hope has been kicked out of them. And they don't know what to do. They've always loved you. It's just a difficult time. And Lord, you don't want us to live without hope. You said the God of hope would fill us with joy and peace and believing. And we could abound in hope. But Lord, we realize the enemy's out there trying to tell us you'll never make it. You're not going to get anywhere. Lord, I know there's got to be people wondering about their finances, wondering about their children, their grandchildren, relatives, friends, their health. 
And I pray you would speak to us this morning and remind us of the wonder of who you are, the joy of being saved, but the joy of knowing that you're never going to leave us, you're never going to forsake us. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And so speak to our hearts today that we might go out of here with a joy in our heart, a bit of a, a spring in our step to say, you're wonderful, Lord. I love you, and I know you're not finished, and thank you for that. I pray your blessing towards that end, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's stand quietly.